This morning, we're starting a new series, and it is titled Red. You know, as I think about our society today, we're living in a society that is like no other in history. We have a special day for everything, don't we? I mean, we just had National Oreo Cookie Day a few weeks ago here at church, didn't we? This is National Oreo Cookie Day. We got National Pizza Day. We got National Chicago Pizza Day. We got National Pepperoni Pizza Day. We got National Sausage Pizza Day, right? Like, we have a day for everything. And since we have a day for everything, it kind of trivializes everything. And we, 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 we don't understand the importance and the significance of important things being done continually. You know, we say it every year, Mother's Day, we celebrate Mother's Day, but it shouldn't be every day, one day a year, it should be every day. Your Father's Day, it shouldn't be one day a year, it's every day. But here's the, 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 the thing, we've, we've kind of gotten to this point where we, we only really put God in the place he deserves once or twice a year. Not anybody in this room. This is the people that are not here and the people watching, you know, in other times. It's, it's not you guys. But we only put God in his place that he deserves once a year. We don't spend time pursuing God the way we're supposed to. As a matter of fact, so this series, Red, I know everybody's been asking, like, what's Red? What's Red? And coming up, what kind of different? It's actually an acronym that we came up with as we prayed and prepared for this. And it stands for this. Remember every day. See, with God and our relationship with him, it's not enough to remember every once in a while. We need to remember every day. So to launch us into our series and our preaching today, I'm actually going to come off the altar for a minute. We have a little skit, and just stay tuned to what we're going to do in this little skit. Hey, Joe, how are you, brother? Hey, how's it going, Andy? How you been? Ah, nothing much, man. Nice what are you doing here? Oh, going to go to the library to get some study done for a test I got. How about you? Yeah, same here, man. Let's awesome, go. Let's man. Let's it. go. So was traffic this morning, man? Oh, crazy. Crazy traffic. Luckily, it's spring break, and we're not going to have to deal with that for, for a week at least. Man, well, I got to tell you, man, it's been a struggle this whole week. I've been trying to study for this chemistry test, and it's kicking my butt, man. It's so difficult. Um, I want to say, you know, after a long day, I go to bed at 10 o'clock. I get so tired, and uh, when my alarm rings at 7, I just turn around, hug my pillow, and I don't want to wake up for like another two or three hours. I don't know what oh, to do, man. Man, that's, that's not good. You're going to have to start waking up earlier. Hmm. And uh, don't worry, I got some good news. In the Bible, I believe it says uh, the early bird gets the worm. Huh? What? <laughs> I'm sure you're wondering who I am. I am Diane Joseph Barbara Julie River Waters, but my friends call me Betty. And I just get so upset when people say things that are not found in the Bible. And I have to tell them something. But I want to keep my job. I have to make my money. So I'm just going to keep on cleaning. You know, I think I've heard that before. Thanks for letting me know, man. But let me tell you, it's it's difficult, man. You know, I'm trying to get a tutor, three chapters long. What is this? Hi. What's going on here? Wow. My book is clean, don't worry. T- table's clean, thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Anyway, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. It's, uh, it's crazy. So. so, what you're going to do is, uh, it also says in the Bible, mm-hmm. God helps those who help themselves. <sighs> what? The Bible doesn't say that. Oh, let me tell you what the Bible says. Excuse oh me. God. The Bible says... In Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. 
So you want to pass this test? You got to pray. You got to study. And you have to read your Bible more. (laughs) But I'm going to get back to work. I want to interrupt okay, you well, guys. I guess Keep I'm going to start reading my Bible God more. Bless. Yeah, it looks like we learned something new today. Yeah, man. Thanks to her. So, God helps those who help themselves. That is actually the opposite of what the scripture says, isn't it? I mean, the Bible talks about God helping the helpless. God being there for the hopeless. What happens every time we try to help God and we end up screwing things up? Abraham was a great example of that. He wanted to help God, so him and his wife decided an amazing plan. Go marry the servant, and maybe you'll get pregnant with her. And guess what? That was not the son of promise. You know, and like that saying, or the early worm catches the worm, or the early bird catches the worm, that is not in the Bible. You know, I got a couple of things. Actually, I want to start with a question, okay? What was the name of the wise men, and how many are there? Come on. Three wise men, and what are their names? Anybody? Anybody? Mo, Larry, and Curly. No, it wasn't Mo, Larry, and Curly. Balthazar and all these things. You know that we, we do this, and in our activities, we have our wise men in there, three wise men and the whole stuff, but the Bible actually says that Wise men came from the east, and it doesn't say how many, and it definitely don't say no name. But throughout history, we've propagated this stuff, and, and as a matter of fact, if you look it up, you will find it, the Christmas story, and, and it says what they were wearing, and they have a beard, and that one of them was, was, was dark-skinned, because he was probably from Arabia, and so he was African-American, not African-American, sorry, he was, uh, um, <laughs> He, he, he was, he was black or, or the, the other one was this and, and it's all this, it's all there. It's all make believe. It's not in the Bible. Here, I'm, I'm gonna give you another one. Watch, watch. Have you heard this before? Money is the root of all evil. See, that's not in the Bible. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. Money's an inanimate object. You use it to buy stuff. But haven't you met some people that have a lot of it, but they love it so much they are just out of control? And haven't you met people that have none of it and they love it so much they're out of control? The love of the money is the problem. Here's another one. Have you ever heard anybody say that godliness or cleanliness is next to godliness? Anybody ever heard that before? I had somebody one time was like, no, pastor, we got to fix this and this because remember that cleanliness is next to godliness. And I'm like, bro, that ain't in the Bible. And we've got all of these different sayings and all of these different things that we say and we tell people is scriptural. But the truth is that since we don't remember God in our life every day, we don't pursue him, we don't seek him, we hear what other people say and then we just take it as must be true. They, they've been Christians longer than me, so they, they must know what they're talking about. It just, it sounds so good, it's probably in the Bible. But we have to remember every day what the scripture also says, or truly says. You know, one thing that is a movement within Christianity, and it's one of the things that really perturbs me a lot, is the grace movement. And what's the grace movement? The grace movement is that the fact that we're no longer under the law, but we're under the grace, which is true. But grace does not give you a license to sin. 
Grace is us being able to receive that forgiveness and being restored, but it's not a license to sin. Look what Paul writes. If you go to Romans chapter 6, we're going to read Romans chapter 6. We're going to start there. Romans chapter 6. When you've got it, you can say amen. Romans chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we've got Bibles on the pews. You can use your phone or your device. Sorry, yeah, Romans chapter 6. Verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. That's right. (laughs) How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Then if you go down to verse number 12, he says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God for sin shall not have dominion over you for you're not under the law, but under grace. You're not under the law, you're under grace. That is true, but that's not what the Bible says in that area and is like done. Look what he repeats the very next verse. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. We've got this whole movement and, and, and like that one, there's all kinds of movement, the, the, the super faith movement, the prosperity gospel, all of these different things where people get one little section of a scripture and make it a doctrine. Instead of understanding that you have to read the scripture as a whole and remember every day what it was that God did through his son Jesus, and now he's come to set us free that we might cause a difference. As a matter of fact, if we jump into Matthew chapter 5, which is our main text for today, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse number 17, Matthew five seventeen, Jesus is on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. Jesus didn't come to destroy or abolish or nullify the law. He came to fulfill it. He came to do something that was unattainable to humans, to mankind. He came to fulfill the law. Then he continues on to say in verse 18, for surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of these least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So is Jesus here saying then that we have to live under the law? No. What he's saying is you're supposed to live actually above the law. Oh, pastor, what are you talking about? Well, look at the very next verse. Jesus starts off with six examples saying this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, but I say to you, In this verse, it says, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, 
shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. I want you to go back to verse number 21. And, 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 and if you've got your, your actual Bible, you might notice that there is quotations in it. Go ahead and go back to, to verse number 21 there. It says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Now, if you have a study Bible, you're going to notice that where it says that you shall not murder is actually not just in quotations, but it's also italicized. When you're reading in your scripture, sometimes people are like, oh, but why do we need an actual physical Bible? Well, there's a lot of stuff that gives you references. When you read in the scripture or study Bible, something that is quoted and italicized is because it appears somewhere else in the scripture. It is a direct quote of scripture where it said, you shall not murder. However, the second part that says, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment, it's quoted but it's not in italics. Why? Because that was something that the scribes and Pharisees throughout years had added to the law, but wasn't part of the law. It was kind of what we do now, where we find something and we make or we add to it. We make Christianity so difficult. And God says, is believe that my son came, is he my son? He died for you and confess him as your Lord and Savior and you're safe. We just make all these hoops and ladders to go through. So Jesus says, you've heard it was said, but I tell you that if you just even tell off somebody and put them down, which is basically what he's saying, raka, telling them something and putting them down, you're already in danger of judgment. In other words, you don't have to live at the law. As Christians, we're called to live above the law. As Christians, we are held to a higher standard than what the law says. We're held to a higher standard than what everybody else says. Here's the truth. Most of the world does not read the Bible. And I'm going to be very generous right now. Probably about 50% of Christians read their Bible. I'm being generous because the percentage is probably much lower. Actually read their Bible. And I just have one or a collection of them actually read it. And so what happens, since we don't read it, we don't know what it says, and we can easily fall trapped to what other people tell us. And what happens with people who don't read it, because they hear that we're Christians, they read us and our behavior and the way that we act. And the first time we slip up, what, what do they say? But aren't you a Christian? Why? Because they're holding us to a higher standard. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. So that was the first example. Then he, Jesus gives an, uh, or he, he, verse 23. It's still part of the same thing. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. In other words, not if you have something against them. If they're mad at you, if they have something against you, go get right with them. But pastor, they didn't say they were sorry. That's not a caveat there. Oh, but they, 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 they don't care that they did that. Not what it says. It says, if you realize they have something against you, go get right with them. Why? Because we're held to a higher standard. Continues to say, 
agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. And surely I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Here comes the second example. Bless you. Second example. He says this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I don't know about you, but that's definitely a higher standard. I've heard Christian men say this. Well, the sin is if you look a second time. So I just keep looking once hard. I'm gonna kid you not. I heard a pastor say that to me one time. I said, that ain't gospel. Jesus said, if you think about it, if you dwell on it, you're already doing it in your heart. He continues to say, watch, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Let me let you know, Jesus is not promoting self-mutilation. What he's saying is don't put yourself in the situation that you could fall into sin. Just don't put yourself in that situation. I remember, it was probably about two years ago, Coach and I were having lunch. And we were, we, we were talking and we were, I was telling him about a story that I read on CNN or something like that uh, about a burglar and this. And there was a video of this guy that was, he was going to walk into a subway to rob the subway. And you see him on the surveillance camera outside stretching and doing some jumping jacks and stuff like that. Literally, he's stretching. He walks into the subway and jumps the counter to try to rob it. So I'm telling him the story. He's like, you got to be kidding. No way. And so I Google search. Burglar stretches before the whatever and I hit okay and you know what came up a whole slew of pornography and I was like and you can ask my wife the first thing I did when I got home was said honey this happened to me today I did this search do the search look what happened you know what I did after that I put restriction on my phone so no porn can come up nothing that is that is adult material sometimes I click on an article on cnn.com and it doesn't let me read it On a straight article, because in the article, it talks about something that maybe is a thing. I don't care. I don't need to read it. I'm going to put a guard on myself to not give myself an opportunity to fall into the temptation by cutting my right eye off. Pastor, that's extreme. You know how many times I've heard, oh, but aren't you a pastor? Because, you know, you inadvertently change lanes inappropriately or whatever the case might be. You walk by somebody and didn't say hi because you were focused on something else. So, and again, you can ask my wife. Sometimes we'll be on the thing. We'll be there and we're searching for something and it's just, I can't look it up. And there's nothing wrong. But guess what? I'm going to put a guard. Because I need to remember every day. Remember every day. Remember every day. I talk to men, I I love food. You all know I love food. I talk about food a lot. You know one of my favorite foods? Chicken wings. 
Aren't chicken wings good? Come on, be honest here. Aren't chicken wings good? Well, guess what? There are certain restaurants that serve really good chicken wings that no Christians have any business sitting inside of the meeting. Pastor, what are you talking about? Don't you have self-control? Yeah, I go to a different restaurant. (laughs) Self-control. Yeah, but I I don't want the Uber guy to fall into sin either. For those of you that didn't hear that us yell, somebody said Uber Eats, but I don't want to put the Uber guy into falling into temptation. No, get a woman Uber driver. Well, she might be falling into temptation too. In today's society, man, just go somewhere else. I remember talking to a young man one time and I said, hey, you know what? That's not, and I was honest. I was like, that's not the place you should go get your wings. That's not where you should go watch the game. No, but I'm going, and I'm going with my, my, my what, significant other. I was like, let me ask you a question. How do you think she's going to feel with all these scantily clad women walking by and bringing you the food and bringing this stuff? Do you think it might start building some insecurities in her? And you're called to build up your wife. So don't put yourself in this situation. Now, women aren't exempt of this. Okay, I remember uh, I, I, Patty and I go with each other to the doctor. We, 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 for those of you that don't know, my wife and I actually like to spend time together. It's awesome. So when she has doctor's appointments, I go with her. She doesn't want to go by herself. When I have them, she goes with me. Inside the other. And I remember the first time that we were at, this, uh, uh, at the lady doctor, gynecologist's office, whatever, and they had to draw blood. We walked into the room where they were going to draw the blood, and the entire room is postered with pictures of men from different cutouts of magazines. All of it, right? So that they can take their mind off of the thing. If a guy's doctor's office had that, we would be called sexist and all kinds of different things, right? Because it's inappropriate. It's inappropriate for women too. Oh, I got to watch that show because that guy, he just, so dreamy. Who's that, what's that doctor, the, the Dr. McDreamy? Isn't that his nickname, right? There's some women getting red in this place right now. I'm not even going to look, okay? <laughs> Remember every day. Jesus said, if it causes you to sin, cut it. In other words, don't put yourself in the situation. Remove yourself from it. Do you know the best way to stop drinking soda? Don't have it in your house. You know the best way to not eat the ice cream at midnight? Don't have it in your house. No, but I have self-control. Don't put yourself near the place. Because that's the higher standard. I'm going a little off topic, but I I have to share it. Ladies, what would you do if you're sitting at a restaurant with your husband and all of a sudden a woman walks in and begins to undress herself right by your table? Probably going to get up, smack her with your purse or something, grab your husband and walk him out. True or not? Thank you for being honest, right? I might be going to jail there that day. So, So then why do you sit down with your husband to watch a movie that's rated R because of the sexual content? 
where then all of a sudden there's a flash of a thing and that becomes a seed of a thought and before you know it, things Pastor, so you live it? Yeah, we, we watch rated R movies, but we check what is rated R for. If it's a war movie, it's rated R because of violence most of the times. If it's rated R for adult content, we won't watch it. Why? I don't need to put myself in a situation to fall. I know for a fact I will be fed to an alligator and you'll never find me. I got a lot to lose. God says to forgive, but he's going to forgive her for feeding me to an alligator too. It's not self-mutilation. It's saving yourself. Don't put yourself in the situation. Then he goes again. Watch, watch. He keeps going. He gives six examples. The next one he says... Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality, 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 causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. In other words, Jesus very plainly said, when you get on the boat, you're on the boat. And the only reason that can sink the ship is the thing I just talked about, sexual immorality. Why did Jesus have to talk about that? Because if you read it in the Old Testament, it said that the people were so hardened, they were just divorcing their wives for no reason. And Moses in the law actually ended up giving and saying, hey, all you have to do is give her a certificate of divorce. And so they asked Jesus about that later again. And he said, Moses did that because of the hardness of your hearts. That wasn't God's plan. You've heard that it was said, but I say to you. He goes on and says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. There was a point in time where people on a handshake and on a yes could get a loan from a bank. Now when you go buy a house, you got to sign a document that's as large as a phone book. I remember when we bought our house in 2011, it was a foreclosed home. And because it was a foreclosed home, the contract had an additional addendment. That was another huge stack of papers that was about certifying that we didn't know the previous owner, that we weren't related to the previous owner. All of these different things. Why? Because when the market crashed and the things were tanking, there were people who were letting their houses go to foreclosure, then telling their cousin about it so that their cousin could buy it outright in cash. And they had this whole little scam going on. And now because of that, you got even longer contracts to sign. 
Jesus said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Anything else of that, anything outside of that is from the evil one. In today's society, it's like you ask somebody something, they say, yes, I'm going to be there. And you got to confirm it 88 times, confirm it 88 times to make sure they're going to show up. And even then, some people still don't. And what they say is worth nothing. As a Christian, we're called to live above. Because all we have is our integrity. So be quiet with it. Don't open your mouth. Don't say, just let your yes be yes, your no be no. You know, one of the reasons anybody who asks me for prayer, I pray with them on the spot. I don't want to be a liar. And I don't want you to ask me for prayer and me tell you with all sincerity, yes, I'm going to pray for you, but then got caught up with something else and forget. Guess what? I lied. Oh, but it was an inadvertent white lie. That doesn't exist. And the world is watching us. You go to work and you tell everybody, I'm a believer. I have integrity. We got to do things the right way. Okay, that's awesome. Then the phone rings and they're like, hey, so-and-so, Johnny, so-and-so's on the phone. Tell him I'm not here. You tell your children, don't lie, but they answer the phone. Tell them I'm busy. Got quiet in this church today. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Because we need to remember every day. Every day. Then he goes on further. Watch, Jesus just keeps building. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye. And a tooth for a tooth. Again, this is italicized there because that is in the law of Moses. If you kill the guy's bull, you got to get him a new bull. It's there, plain as day. But then he says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him also have your cloak. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with them two. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. And then he gets to the biggest example of them all. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Again, if you're reading it in a Bible that's a study Bible, you'll see love your enemy is in quotations, I mean, love your neighbors in quotations, hate your enemy is not. Why? Because they had added that to the law. The law actually says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus wasn't the first one to say it. He quoted what the law said in Deuteronomy. But he says, you've heard it was says, love your neighbor and it's okay to hate your enemy. But I say to you, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. 
For if you love those who love you, reward have you. Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. In other words, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said X, Y, or Z, but I tell you as a follower of me, you're held to a higher standard. And you got to remember it every day. Remember every day that we are held to a higher standard. The son of God left his throne in heaven And came to earth and became a man, not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. So many times we compare things about it being Old Testament, New Testament, under the law, not under the law. And it's things that are godly principles that are actually not even in the law. How many people talk about the fact that they say, oh, well, we're not called to tithe and the New Testament doesn't, it, it, that was under the law. No, it's not. It was a godly principle that started hundreds of years before the law when Abraham, which was hundreds of years before the law, think about it, the children of Israel were slaves for 400 years in Egypt before they came out and then were the, were, they received the law out on Mount Sinai under Moses, right? So you're talking about at least six to 700 years, if not more, Abraham, for the first time after getting a conquest and getting all the spoils, goes to Methuselah and gives the tithe. Methuselah, who was a type of Christ, because in the book of Hebrews, you read where it says Jesus, our high priest of the order of Melchizedek. It's a godly principle, not part of the law. And you have Christians that are living defeated lives, not understanding. We're just not walking the way God wants us to walk. Look, it's true. If you're having an issue with whatever it may be, put a name on it. Smoking, drugs, alcohol, lust, pornography, whatever it is. I've heard so many people say, well, but you're getting better. You used to smoke three packs a day and you're down to one. You're still killing yourself. Well, I used to get drunk every day and I only get drunk once a month. You're still living a life outside of God's pattern and best. Because God calls us to live above reproach. Are we to be perfect, man? We're never going to be perfect, but we got to strive every day to remember that Jesus said, you're held to a higher standard. And as Betty reminded us, we have to know what the scripture says so that when we hear people say something that ain't biblical, you can say, hey, that's not in the word of God. But so many times we just pass down from things from generation to generation. I get asked this question every year. Pastor, why don't we do anything specific for Lent? Lent starts on Good Friday, right? I'm sorry, on Ash Wednesday. I made the big mistake of driving to my mom's house on Ash Wednesday. She lives a little bit close to a Catholic church, and it took me 25 minutes to go the mile that it go, takes to me, that's from my mom's house, is from my house. 25 minutes, I couldn't get out of the traffic jam thing. I want you to think about something for a second. As, and I grew up going to parochial school. I, 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 I know the history of it. What happens the day before Ash Wednesday? It's what's called Fat Tuesday. 
Fat Tuesday is the day where New Orleans does Mardi Gras and all across the country there's these huge festivals and huge things. And it actually springs forth from the religion side that on Fat Tuesday, you do everything you want because on Ash Wednesday, you start your 40-day fast of whatever sin you regularly do that now you're going to give up. Dead honest truth. That's what it boils down to. And after the 40 days on Easter Sunday, they all go right back to what it was. That's not living to a higher standard. That's like what we do. Watch, watch. I start a diet tomorrow. So today, all you can eat breakfast, all you can eat lunch, and all you can eat dinner. Because tomorrow, I'm starting breakfast. I mean, I'm starting my diet. Come on, be honest. How many of you have done that? I'm starting my diet tomorrow, so I got to have that pangombite today, right? I'm giving it up tomorrow. No. Church, remember every day. It's not a this time I'm going to get rid of this or this time I'm going to do that. It's God help me cut my right eye out because it's causing me to sin. And then put it into practice. We were at a birthday party yesterday. Something simple. I've given up soda. Why? I want to be around for my daughters. I want to walk them all down the aisle. I want to take care of grandkids. I want to do that stuff. So I've really started trying to align my life. I'm not eating late. I've changed a lot of things. So we're at this birthday party, and it was in a center or whatever, and they had sodas and Capri Suns and water bottles. And when I went to go, they had run out of water bottles. And then I'm like, man, 41 grams of sugar. And I haven't had one since the first week of January. Or the Capri Sun, which is probably about a 75 grams of sugar. I don't know. And I look at Patty. I was like, did we bring down the water bottles that we had taken from the house? Are they in the car? Did we bring them down? No, they're in the car. The party was in a place in Sunset Place. So I would have to go to the parking garage, all this stuff. I was like, oh. so I finally I was like, all right, I guess I'm just drinking some saliva. And I went up to the guy and I was like, so-and-so, hey, by chance, you guys still have more bottles of water? He's like, yeah, yeah. And they brought out more bottles of water. And I was like, thank you. Guys, it, it's, I'm, I'm talking about a physical thing. In the physical, in the body. I'm setting myself to do this. Now we got to transfer that into our spirit, man. And cut things out of our life that are causing us to not be as close to God as we're supposed to be. Red. Remember every day. Remember every day. It's not enough to pursue God once a year, once a month, once a week. I saw the best meme about this on Instagram a couple of weeks back where it had this guy, ripped guy, and said, you can't expect results like these going to the gym once a month. The same way you can't expect results of God in your life going to church once a week. You got to remember every day.
I'm adding the last sentence and I'm paraphrasing. It was the gist of what it was. Remember every day. Get up in the morning and pray. Get up in the morning and worship. Get up in the morning and read the scripture. On your drive to work, listen to it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And then when you hear the whole word, listen to it again. Oh, I already read the whole Bible once. This isn't a book like the latest Nicholas Sparks novel that you read one time and you're good with it. This is something that is a living document that every time you read it, God can speak something different to you. I challenge you. Remember every day. Remember every day. Church, it's time that we paint the town red because we remember every day.